0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of the Theater Enthusiast Podcast. As always, I have my hot priest candle lit. I'm drinking out of my hot priest mug. And my next guest, I've already I've already told the grand damn greatness that she is, that she is in one of my top going theater experiences. And I just cannot believe she said yes to doing my podcast. Please welcome the grand damn queen, Miss Beth Level. Oh, there we go. Is it loud? I don't think it's loud enough for you. There it is. I'm making my own applause.
1: Yes. And if, if I know you can't yeah. see, but I'm doing jazz hands. Jazz hands. Jazz hands.
0: Yes. And I just jazz cut it off. Hello. Oh, no. Hello. Thank you for asking me. Thank you for I I didn't tell you this, but when I, when I got the email from your agent that said she'd love to do it, I literally ended up on the floor crawling or like rolling over with like, holy crap, I can't believe she said yes. So.
1: Oh my gosh, just just yeah. wait. You going to be oh god, I'm so disappointed. What
0: a, <laughs> no, never, what never. Well, you know what it is? It's just because, like I mentioned, you know, when we talk about top theater going experiences, and I mentioned mine, like I have been an admirer of yours since drowsy chaperone. And that's when I was in college, and I was like still newer to you knowing the musical theater world and all that stuff. Because growing up, I wasn't as into it as like many other people were that I went to college with. Like I was a boy band person. Like I was obsessed with O-Town and I knew Rent. And when I like went to college, you know, that's when I became like super Broadway, more so nerd. So ever since Drowsy, thank you. But, oh, and before I forget, um, I already told Beth, but I don't have a show mug for her, but I have the Drowsy Chaperone Monkey. I don't know if I showed you the back. It says, who's my little monkey? Monkey, 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 monkey. He's wearing oh, a little shirt. I will say with, we, we will talk about it, but I sometimes forget how brilliant that show is until I listen to the cast recording. Isn't it amazing? It's like, it's I one of, think, yeah, I no. do. I think
1: brilliant really a uh, very good choice of words.
0: Yeah. And my friends and I went to that 54 Below reunion concert you guys did a couple of years ago. And it's so funny yeah. because we both forgot we were going and she's like, hey, we have this. I was like, oh crap. And it was like one of the best nights. I think you got a standing oh, probation after Stumble Along, I
1: think. Oh, uh, well, bless. And it's, what's really interesting too is so many schools and colleges mm-hmm. and theaters are doing the Drowsy Chaperone now, particularly yeah. this month. I don't know, I guess school has started again. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just amazed at how much that show touched people.
0: Yeah. And
1: how, when they do the show, mm-hmm. how it becomes just something, a really special theater experience for them. It's hard to explain. It's just one of those magical shows
0: mm-hmm. that the
1: connection with the audience is just singular Yeah, in that way. And I've so I've been doing a lot of talking to the students all over the place yeah. about Drowsy Chaperone and you know the show and Q and A's. And it's really, it's just like, so it's come back in my life this past two months and it's been i'm reliving it all over again and now you've got the little monkey monkey
0: monkey yeah. should and i i don't I do feel like now. i should just like sit him here awkwardly on my computer and he'll just like appear so cute here. so cute i still have the opening
1: night of drowsy chaperone they as opposed to flowers they gave us each uh monkeys that have a little you know velcro on their little paws and so it's okay. hanging up in my closet so i Say monkey monkey every day. Good morning, monkey monkey.
0: Monkey monkey monkey. I'm oh, my little monkey do. Sorry. Yes, Listen, thank you. I had somebody sing on the podcast. We should make it a thing now. Let's just sing randomly at points. Why so not? never edit,
1: never edit your your singing. Ever, ever. If you need if you feel a song coming on, mm-hmm. if you need to express a lyric, have at it.
0: Oh, especially when I'm really tired and I'm working, that's when the songs come out because that's when delirium hits. So, I Beth, I always start with, where are you from? I am from Raleigh, North Carolina. Very nice. And what good got night. you... Yeah, good night, everyone. Beth, thank you Thanks for coming on. Listening. Quickest later. podcast interview ever. So, you know, we got highlights. Yeah. What got you interested in theater and or performing? You know, that is... I can truthfully tell you I have no earthly idea.
1: Mm-hmm. There was no theater around me. My parents, my family, no one. I didn't know anything about musical theater at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really don't know how I'm here and with this life and this career, but obviously something happened. I I do remember my, I took two years of tap and ballet at Betty Kovacs School of Dance. And I wish I'd done that a little more, but I didn't. And I remember my parents, we never went to see theater. I mean, there, now there's so much more theater down there. So many more um, venues that the touring companies come through. But when I was growing up down there, you know, in the turn of the century, there was nothing. <laughs> so I do remember maybe once every six months we would go see a movie. And my parents took me one Friday or Saturday night and we saw The Music Man. With Robert Preston and Shirley Mac- McLean. Help me, Shirley Jones. Yeah. And I remember for the first time ever when you're watching something leaving my body, just kind of leaving the room and losing myself in this film and wondering how I could be Zanita and you know, blink my eyes and be in a marching band uniform, the magic. And that, you know, that was a little light bulb that went off somewhere in my heart. But there was, what, what do you do with that? I don't know. But then my senior year, not until my senior year in high school, um, somebody said, why don't you audition for the school musical? she said, it's a great way to meet guys. 1001, 1002. And I did. And I got like the third lead at Brigadoon. And there was no turning back. I just remember, you know, when you're in high school, at least my high school, Mm -hmm. the rehearsals were in the band room, which was the size of a small city. But I remember the first day sitting around thinking, who are these people that are just like me that I don't know? And how can I stay here the rest of my life?
0: Yeah.
1: But, you know, my family was very practical. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be in actor well how how are you going to make money I mean you're you're a woman you need to do more a traditional role blah 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 so I have I went to college in North Carolina and I have a degree in social work counseling Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which truthfully has come in very handy as an actor because it's all about listening but I had a minor
0: yeah right I had a
1: minor in theater and you know it's one of those things if you don't think uh, being a teacher is important I had a teacher who was such a mentor to me And honestly, her name is Linda Bamford. My, I wouldn't have done it without her pushing me and encouraging me and allowing me to make mistakes and casting me and not casting me. I was, by the end of my senior year, I knew that's exactly what I wanted to do. I just didn't know what to do with that. And they're going, what? She said, why don't you move to New York? I'm like, I'm terrified of New York. I'd only been there like twice. And it was, you know, we would go up there on a bus trip, get there at seven o'clock in the morning and land in Times Square, stay at the. Edison Hotel or something, and it was it was terrifying, <laughs> terrifyingly exciting, and we'd yeah. see all these shows. But so I decided, since I was too chicken to move to New York, and I didn't have the skills, I really didn't have the skills yet. Still, still learning skills, you know, perpetual student. So I went and I got a master's degree, an MFA, uh, from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro, and then after that, I had no excuse.
0: Yeah, and then yeah.
1: an apartment became available in in Hell's Kitchen fifth floor walk up, one of the scariest places I've ever been in my life. And I could care less because I was an actor almost in New York city. And I would go every Thursday before, you know, but this was before the internet and I yes. would get the backstage magazine, the paper at the little kiosk in front of Smilers on 45th street and eighth Avenue. And I would devour it. I would just devour it. And slowly, but surely my first job, the first big job I got was the national tour of 42nd street. Yeah. And then that I'm, I'm really, this is a long answer. And then <laughs> like, I,
0: oh, wow, I'm, wow. I'm listening very intently. I'm enjoying it. I'm sure the listeners are, I, I can hope hear you well. read the phone book. I'm here for it. Beth. <laughs> can you, can <laughs> well, the phone book's the phone next. Because because perfect. Maybe you could sing it. It'll be great. I'll see. Yeah. I'm just imagine. yeah. And I,
1: Uh, It was a national tour of 42nd street. And like I said before, I wish I'd taken a little more time at Betty Kovacs school of dance in Raleigh, because I, my audition was, (laughs) I had an agent. I did a showcase. Yes. I did a showcase and there were agents there and I got my agent from that showcase and they got me this audition. They gave me the sides. I don't know if you guys know 42nd street, but it's anytime Annie, Mm -hmm. which, you know, there's a big tap thing in there. And I had tapped through some shows in college, but I really, so I knew part of the vocabulary, but there was no skills anymore. So I, thankfully, when I walked into the audition, because back in the day, children, auditions were held on the stage at the theater a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And I just remember, you know, there was a line of us and it was my turn and walking onto the majestic stage before, that was before Phantom was there. And there was a ghost light and a bunch of suits out in the audience that I could not really see. And fortunately by then I hadn't learned to be afraid of, you know, it was still fun. You know, yeah. now it's like, Oh God, I'm terrified. Um, not really. So I, fortunately they gave me, they asked me to sing first mm-hmm. and I sang, I got rhythm. And I like held this I, note for a really long time. They had me read and they thought I was funny. So if I hadn't done those two things first, I don't know what would have happened. And then they asked me to tap dance, to do the tap routine. So what happens is the, um, you know, Gower champion had passed, but his assistant, Karen, he said, she's going to come up and teach you this routine. And uh, so I see this shadow coming from the bowels of the Majestic Theater. And, you know, in my mind, there's a little recording. It's like, doo-doo-doo, doo-doo, You know, here comes Karen Baker. So she gets up there and she is just a phenomenal tap dancer. And mm-hmm. she whips this step off and asked me to do it. And I, I was, um, can you slow down again? It was, I couldn't do it. So what I did do, which is so funny now, for some reason, I don't know why I had my Walkman with me, Google, if you don't know what that is. So I had her, I recorded her feet and the sounds, and I would go, stab, uh, pull back, which I didn't know what it was. And I would kind of repeat the sounds with my mouth, mm. weird. And then she said, um, cause I did not do well. she said, I had five days to improve. Uh, and she, they were calling me back. So my husband at the time was a much better tap dancer than I was. So we rented this scary little um, studio at Harlequin where the floors are slanted hmm. and I I worked my butt off and I got it. I got it. And then and but it was go. so funny. Yeah. It was so funny because after I got it, she did an imitation of how bad I was. <laughs> <first>. oh,
0: goodness.
1: <laughs> I was like, oh, I feel I feel great about myself right now. So, you know, I'm still learning how to tap dance, but it's so because of that experience and because yeah. I went from 42nd street to crazy for you, people go, oh yeah, Beth's the dancer. I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I know how to, I know how to fake it really well. Yeah. Fake and it I'm, you, a, make a, it. you make it and they just would have to, you know, dumb it down for my skills. But yeah, I got, I got good dance face. I got,
0: got good character. I cannot dance at all. I can't do a time step. I used to work at a dance studio with little kids and I even had like five-year-olds trying to teach me how to do a time step and it just like failed miserably. I have two left feet when it comes to like choreographed dancing. Dancing around my apartment is fine. Choreographed dancing, not great.
1: Yeah, it's, I just like, I, I look at how quickly real dancers, yeah, absorb that information in their bodies like that. And just for an example, when I was doing prom down in Atlanta,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they had this huge hip hop mega mix yeah. that the dance was doing at Curtain Call. I was just sitting there, me and I called me uh, Brooks, Angie and Chris Sieber. We called ourselves the Olds because everyone else was really young. And we were sitting in the corner with the Olds going, whew, Woo, I'm so glad we don't have to do this. And at the end of the day, Casey's like, can I see the olds for a minute, please? He said, we're gonna learn that number. I was like, no, no. So every after every rehearsal, every afternoon, I would call it, we would go to our timeout rehearsal studio and God bless her, Casey Hushin is a fabulous director and was assisting this. We worked on that for two hours and what it took an hour, for the kids to learn, it took us two weeks, not two hours, two weeks, every day after school, we would go learn it. Yeah. And so I that's, I just, I, I hear what you're saying about choreography. I'm a little, my brain shuts down and I have to go, can you just
0: tell me that? Can you come with me in the corner? Well, I also think it had. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm talking about myself in this moment. I think for me, it comes with age and just always being tired. Like I saw K-pop the other day and oh my I gosh. loved it. And um, the dancing that they do in that show, I'm just like, I, my brain hurts from thinking how they could do this. Like my know. body's exhausted from watching them do it. They like all of them were incredible, but yeah, go see K-pop guys. I, I loved it. I really did. Oh, I can't wait. I, think, I didn't know what to expect going in. Cause I don't really listen to K-pop, but definitely brought me back to my youth of listening to like Backstreet Boys and in sync.
1: Yeah, yeah, your boy bands.
0: Me and all of that stuff. So it's just, it's really interesting to me because you have a very long history with 42nd Street. I do. Yeah. I did. Yeah. No, I had a job,
1: you know, the, when I was in the national tour for about mm-hmm. seven months, I think. Yeah. The role opened for Broadway and they asked me to come in. And at the time, I was kind of like the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. Um, It's like, why am I going to leave a Broadway show unless another Broadway show comes up? But so I was with it about four years.
0: Yeah.
1: And then we, uh, during that four years, they took, this is very odd. They took the principal cast of Broadway and married us to the bus and truck ensemble. We went to Expo in Vancouver and then flew us all to Japan and they filmed it in Japan. And we were in Japan about five weeks, which was really cool. So there's this Video, it's a video out there, of, it's not even, yeah, a video of our show. And and it's so funny, I've, I'd never performed in Japan before and the audiences are very polite and very kind, which is code for they're very quiet until the end of the show where they absolutely go show their appreciation. So yeah. the video just, the video, is very quiet.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because my old roommate works in international business and she's actually Japanese. So she works bringing shows over to Japan. And I said to her once, because I feel like she always works on West Side Story, Dream Girls and A Chorus Line. And she goes, yeah, because they love it over there. So I think that if it's like an easy show that they know, or it's like a dance heavy show, something like 42nd Street, the people of Japan will love it.
1: In the last night of the show, when we were there, Mm -hmm. a lot of the audience members lined up. And we walked through them to our bus and they just kept handing us gifts or just tokens of appreciation. It was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. I really want to go back. Whoever's out there that can someone, please take me
0: back to Japan and I'll sing. And show maybe too. maybe just like as your honeymoon. I don't know. I'm plotting your life for you. Why not? Thank you. Somebody has to. Listen, I'm available to do that. I have a director's background. I can be like, just do this. You have one of those brains. I, I do. I, it's one of those things, like, what's that saying? Like those who can do for themselves do for others. Like I had somebody on the podcast and he was talking about doing Shakespeare. It's like, just do it in central park. You don't have to pay for like, go to Belvedere castle and perform a scene for Romeo and Juliet. Like who's going to stop you? Nobody. Yeah. So how do crazy for you come about? Um, so after 42nd Street, I left
1: 42nd Street to do a national tour via the Muni and uh, some summer stock stops of Greece. I was Rizzo in Greece, starring—he uh, was very famous soap opera star at the time, Jack Wagner, who was playing Danny. Mm-hmm. And so we did a couple of, and it was coming to Broadway. And there was—we finished the little summer stock part of it. It's very strange; no one really does that anymore. They recast some of the roles Mm -hmm. and then we reopened in Washington, D.C. with the trajectory of coming to Broadway. (laughs) And we got killed. Everybody hated it. So that didn't happen. So like, womp, womp. So I was unemployed for a while and then my agent, then it's crazy for you, came up. Oh, and I got married during that period. No, I didn't. Yes, I did. Something like that. And during that period, I auditioned for crazy for you. I auditioned eight times for Crazy For You. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time, and this sounds creepy, but it wasn't. There was just no more rehearsal spaces. I met Mike Ockrent in his hotel room. I auditioned for like three different parts. And one, this is so fast. I don't know if I've said this story before. Um, during these eight auditions, I was cast as Dolly in Hello, Dolly at North Carolina Theater. So I was actually going to go home for the first time to do Dolly. Mm -hmm. But the final callback was during that show. So on my day off from Hello, Dolly, I flew to New York City for the callback. So I don't think I was as rested as I should have been. And I don't think I did very well at the audition. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But I think out of pity, (laughs) because I had done. So many auditions and there was something about me that they just wouldn't let go of.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They created this role of Tess, which was a teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny little role. And they just said, will you, would we would like to hire you as Tess? And would you uh, cover the role of Polly that Jody Benson eventually ended up doing? And I said, yes. And again, it was, you know, Stroman hires these phenomenal dancers and I had to tap again, but she made tests the, and I'm, I'm doing air quotes, the dance captain, <laughs> which is code for, sometimes I was down front going a five, six, seven, eight. And I wouldn't have to like kick my leg and do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But she always accommodated for my, the specificities of my dance skills.
0: Yeah. There was one. It. Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, There was one time where we were in a, a line in the rehearsal room. And gosh, you would walk in and, you know, there were people with kicking mining pans over their heads but with their legs. And I, I, I just can't do that. And there was one time we were in a line doing something and she was just going, okay, pointing at the dancers going, just you'd go split on eight, split on six, split. And she got to me, and she said, you don't split, do you? It's like, no, ma'am, I do not split. I can do a half split, I'm not sure I can get up. <laughs> so I ended up doing this really stupid, like, Cheesy pose, but she kept accommodating for me. They, yeah. <laughs> kept... So that was, uh, yeah. Sorry. That was
0: my first.
1: No, that was my first original show, which also yeah. comes with, yeah. uh. You know, we were nominated for a Tony Awards. So it was the first time I was able to experience the Tonys, the first time okay. ever for a cast album. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an amazing time in my life.
0: Yeah, I feel like Susan Stroman would be the type of choreographer slash director to accommodate actors and their special, like, not special skills, but, like, what would work best for them?
1: Strengths, absolutely, and my, my strengths were, you know, belting the, the high whatever, and
0: Mm -hmm. kind of being funny, and being the leader of the dancers. Yeah, so after crazy for you, and all of that, what was next, because I, I can't remember the timeline of, I, I promise I did my research, but I can't remember your timeline. I can't
1: either, sometimes I'll have to ask I'll go to my website sometimes and go, oh, right. And I'll come back. Yeah. I have a fabulous person that helps me with that.
0: Oh, um, you have it a was, wonderful website too. I've, I've got-
1: oh, Sean, it's Twitter. Sean Wang. She's phenomenal. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Civil War that was next, the Civil War.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I kind of keep forgetting that with them. Sorry, what were you saying? Cricket,
1: yeah. cricket. Yeah, it's one of those, it's like, baby, it's you. You know, they were, I did them, but they just didn't really leave much yeah. of a- um, yeah, yeah.
0: The, you know, I keep forgetting Civil War was a musical on Broadway, because I, always I never
1: cast album either, you know, so there's no yeah. memory of it really, except unless you were there or you saw it. And yeah, uh, I run that long on Broadway, but we started out at the alley at Houston, and then we went to New Haven. So we got a lot of weeks in there and they kept trying to figure out what exactly the tone of the piece should be. Yeah. And it, it changed dramatically from the alley theater in Houston to Broadway and just didn't run that long
0: yeah it's Frank that, Wildhorn right
1: Frank Wildhorn yeah I Jerry like, Zach.
0: yeah his, he has great stuff but it just like never lasts longer than it than I people think, which is very well, important like well, I yeah. love Tony and Clyde and yeah Jekyll and Hyde was great I saw the original cast for that I not to like age myself I'd be like <laughs> but oh, <laughs> no, I've been seeing shows not to age myself, but for about like 30 years. So I've seen a lot of, and it's I I've only known one other person in my age group who was lucky enough to see Julie Andrews in and Victor Victoria.
1: Oh, from- uh, oh, my fiance was in Victor Victoria.
0: Yeah, I know. I have it on DVD. The um, because I <laughs> I IMDb, I googled him really quickly this morning, and I was like, oh my god, he was in that. I have a I have it signed by Greg Jabara the DVD, yeah. yeah. Very cool. I'm yeah. looking at the Victoria poster right
1: now in my yeah. my office.
0: Yeah, I, I love Victor Victoria. I, I grew up watching the movie, like the, yeah, the musical, you hear me? The musical, just yeah. me. Um, mm-hmm.
1: One of the interesting things about Civil War was
0: mm-hmm.
1: at my audition, no one had any idea that I was really just the musical comedy gal because the role I played and was cast in the Civil War was um, called Miss, Miss, uh, Mrs. Bixby. She sang a song called Five Boys. And it's based on a true story that this woman who was a northerner, being a Southern girl, uh, lost all five of her sons yeah. in, in the Civil War. And you know it was one of those numbers where I had to cry and you know there wasn't a laugh to be had. And I remember Frank going, I hear you're like funny. I'm like, yeah, not in this show, but yeah. So I was glad to be able to do something out of my normal comfort zone.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what acting is. Sometimes you have to be the opposite of what you truly are. So let's let's jump a little bit ahead. Let's talk about the creation of Beatrice Stockwell, aka. The title character of The Drowsy Chaperone. How did that show come into your life? And I honestly, I can spend like the next however long just talking about the show.
1: It was. It's one of the biggest blessings in my life. I'll tell you that right now. Um, I knew Casey Nicola was in the ensemble of Crazy Feet with me. Yeah, it's a small world. Um, yeah. And he had done uh, Spam a lot, but this was his first big directing a breakthrough Mm -hmm. show and uh, drowsy chaperone it's the genesis of what it was done in in Canada with these fabulous people at in a theater up there in Toronto and it was done initially from the very beginning as a wedding gift yeah Um, Bob Martin and Don and Lisa and Greg all wrote it as a gift but it was this amazing little show that just got word out that people going, you know, you really need to explore this, blah, blah, blah. Cut to they did a production up. I can't remember the name of the theater in Toronto. I'm so sorry. But some American producers went up there, i.e. Kevin McCullum and some other people. And from that, they came down and did, I think it was a nymph, maybe a nymph. Don't really know the difference right now. But it's one of those where you have like an hour, you're timed to show part of your show, to present part of your show. And apparently at the end, Danny was doing it, Georgia Engel was doing it, Bob Martin was doing it. So they've been with it for a really long time. But at the end, when the timer went off, something like this, I may be fantasizing this scenario, but I was told that the audience insisted it continue. So they finished it. And then the rest is history. Then they got the backing to go to um, the Amundsen Theater in California. So once they got that, and once they knew it was going to the Amundsen with trajectory of coming to Broadway, hopefully, depending on how it landed in uh, LA, my agent calls and says, I have an audition. And it was like, oh my gosh, it's Casey. That's fantastic. And I knew no one else. And they sent me the script to read. And it was one of those... Very, you know, when you're reading a script, me, I don't like. Ha, 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 I'm really just really studying. It's like, what, what is my part? When blah 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 blah, and I just remember sitting in the chair, howling at how funny it was. What a brilliant script it was. Something I'd never read, seen. The structure of it was just so singular and unique and funny. And then it had this heart. At the end of it that just surprises you so much. So I went in, and you know, I don't even think Stumble was written, then, or if it was, it's just in the back of someone's mind, they really didn't know who this character of Beatrice Stockwell was. Yeah. Uh, Lisa Lambert had done it, uh, the, who's the lyricist, mm-hmm. had done it in a lot of the readings and stuff and they I think they were trying to find someone to tell them that to inform them that. Yeah. So I went in and I sang a hundred easy ways to lose a man because i had learned it and it's kind of funny and maybe that i they could see something in me because the character i I like to tell people the character really wasn't on the page Mm
0: -hmm. it
1: it wasn't like gypsy you had her moments a lot of them are not uh verbal Mm -hmm. it's a behavioral or misbehaving or whatever and a lot of it is they just didn't know yet Mm -hmm. so i auditioned i read this the uh sides and there wasn't a lot on the sides. Again, it, it was a lot of it was just behavioral acting that it's hard to do by yourself in, a, in an audition. Um, they gave me a call back, but I don't think I did very well. And at the callback, I don't think I did very well either but I did the best I could. And I got a call, which this never happens but because Casey knew me, he called me and said, I'm so sorry, you didn't get it. And I said, I really, I said, I'm not the one, I'm just, I don't think I'm the one to bring this person to life. I'm not the one to bring her off the page. I said, maybe you need someone older. I mean, this was what, 15 years ago or something? I, mm-hmm. I don't even remember. I was a mere child. And so I know that they went to Los Angeles and looked at TV stars
0: mm-hmm. and
1: they auditioned Eartha Kitt Ooh. and Joan Van Ark and mm-hmm. shit, who played uh, uh, Tina Louise? Just that kind of ilk, those beautiful dynasty, knots landing kind of, genre and earth again uh yeah it just nothing really really uh that wasn't the answer so they came back to new york kept auditioning not with me you know this was months went by and i think they offered it to some people and it just didn't work out you know the role wasn't quote unquote uh good enough yet because it really hadn't been born yet yeah so uh this was end of November, I get a call from my agents going, I have a, a job offer for you. I'm like an offer. That means, and this was a really bad time. It was like, oh, I'm gonna have to work at Macy's or something. And I said, I'll take it. I don't, I don't care what it is. And he said, it's to play the drowsy chaperone in the drowsy chaperone. And I went, what? I said, no, 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 I didn't. I didn't get that part. So I had them call the casting people back. And I said, I'll just wait. <laughs> So in 30 seconds he calls me back. He goes, "Yeah, they've they're offering you the role. You leave in three weeks for a three month out of town tryout at the Amundsen Theater in Los Angeles." So, oh, so, by then I had two kids. I'm like, "Children, mom is going to LA for Christmas." <laughs> so once once I got to Los Angeles, you know, pretty much everyone had done the show in some way, shape, or form, but me in the role that they didn't know what it was yet. So it was a lot of a lot of uh throwing everything you had up against the wall and seeing what stuck mm-hmm. and what actually served the story and i remember and good for casey we would spend from 10 to 12 o'clock every single day firstly looking at films of that era just mm-hmm. so we would all tonally be on the same page so it would be truthful yet heightened storytelling. Because if we did a wink or, you know, a, it would have ruined the the tenderness and the authenticity of the comedy, in my opinion. And then we, after we would watch the movies, we started doing, um, sorry if you guys have heard this story and uh, because you're gonna hear it again. We would do improvs, which I remember Casey going, going to some theater games and just, Biggest eye rolls, like, yay, theater games. Oh, God, <laughs> theater games. But we did this one game, which a lot of the kids are doing now, Hot Seat. And we did it for like a week. Plus, we had to write a bio of ourselves, which mine was totally terrible, because I just didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know her. So I was like, mm, just made up crap. But one of the last times for the Hot Seat, you know, you have a stool, and you're kind of overstayed right, and all of the cast and creatives and everyone would sit behind the table, and it would be your turn to come on and sit in the hot seat, I'm using air quotes again, and they would fire off questions to you, and you would have to answer in character, Mm -hmm. and that's one way to learn something about yourself, answering and see what feels truthful, so we did that for a while, and it One of the very last times we did that, Casey, for some reasons, when it's my turn to come sit in the hot seat, said, ladies and gentlemen, Dame Beatrice Stockwell. Now he had never said Dame before. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So that, you know, right there kind of affects you. And I walk to this, my heading toward my stool and all the cast and creative stand up and start going Bravo. Like I was this huge you know, grand dame of the theater, legendary. And I just remember saying, oh, stop it. No, 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 stop. And I bowed all the way down to the floor and I went, there she is. Yeah. That's, and I knew where to start there. This fabulous, narcissistic queen diva who you love her. And she is just obnoxiously self-centered. But it's funny, so you love every time she comes out. And then with that, I realized that, oh, I, I need to stand in front of Sutton because she's taking my attention away from Beatrice. And it just grew and grew to pulling out a screen in front of her so I could just have center, uh, center stage all the time. You know, Beatrice always broke the fourth wall because she was there because, of course, everyone was there just to see me bless their little, little theater-loving hearts. And it was just from then on, we just explored it and it grew and then Stumble came along and then we learned how to take it up and hold the note because that's what she would do because that's what Beatrice fans would want her to do. Then the line, she sang a rousing anthem in every show she ever did, whether it was good or not, whatever that line is, it's like, ah, and it really came together. And then, so I felt like I have my DNA with the creatives all over this fabulous woman, this yeah, fabulous Beatrice yeah. Stockwell, and then to win a Tony Award for it was like, oh, oh my gosh, wow! Gosh. Thank you.
0: What was Tony Night like for you? Do you remember?
1: Not much. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a blur. There's you know there's highlights I remember when your show was nominated uh, and you're nominated. The Drowsy Chaperone was doing a performance, so it's a Sunday and. I was living in New Jersey at the time. I had to get up at five o'clock to get to the theater because our call time for camera rehearsal at Radio City was 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. So full beat, full everything. We got on a bus, all in costume. I was thinking that must look really funny, but it's like, it's Midtown. No one cares. It's like, There's a bunch of people going. So we get there and we do the rehearsal twice. Um, then we go back to the theater. I tried to take a nap. And someone says to me, uh, do you have a speech in case you win? I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going to win. I'm not, that's, that's so conceited to like write a speech the entire nap. I'm going shit balls. What if, what if, what if? And so I'm like constructing this, city, just trying. So what? like, if I do win, what, you can't just get up there and go. So I tried to just put some sentences together and, you know you never think you're going to win, but, and then they called my name and the rest is kind of a blur because after you win, you're shuffled off to the press rooms and you just sit there and go from one outlet to another, talking about your win and all that kind of stuff. And I got home about four o'clock in the morning. Wow. Yeah. And I remember the next day, not being able to speak. I was so tired. We, my husband at the time, John and our two kids went to I don't know, like Charlie Brown's or something. And just to get uh, comfort food. I just remember laying my head on John and not being able to speak. He's like, just ignore mom. What do you want? chicken. You know, I just was so fantastically full and exhausted. Yeah. And they also give you, um, I don't know if they do it now. When you win, they give you a stunt Tony so you can have something to hold for the photo opportunities but i was able to take it back to the theater on tuesday my stunt tony so we pass it around and everybody you know everybody has christmas pictures holding the stunt tony uh, and then one day it comes in a like totally i call it a, a tony coffin it's a little black box you uh, open it up and there's your real tony that was delivered to the theater it's like oh my god yeah I think here it is I used it the other day as a zoom for some of the kids doing So you can't see it but I'm spinning it wow. right now I'm, I'm spinning yeah uh thank you for oh, showing that, your Tony spinning it. thank you spinning spinning the Tony 101
0: yeah. do you sometimes just like sitting in your apartment when you're bored and spin your Tony <laughs> can
1: you imagine when I start doing that I need for you to come and get me
0: well, no, I did see that uh, during the pandemic, you did get a cat and he, you have a photo with him, like eating your Tony or something. <laughs> or something, right? I don't remember that, but I am sure I do. That's hilarious. Yeah. I think it's on your website because you talked about your cat and then there was the link to the Broadway world and and I need you-
1: to thank you, Sean. I need to go look at my website. Yeah.
0: No, again, oh. it's a really great website.
1: She's so great. She's so oh. terrific.
0: Yeah, great. Um, I, I'd love
1: to see that picture. I'm going to go, when we stop talking, I'm going to go right now and check it
0: out. Black and white. It's great. It's, it's a nice little photo show you guys did. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm, once Drowzee is over, you have the Tony, you're the, still the grand dame. I, I think you are. Uh, what comes next for you?
1: It was life-changing, the Tony Award. And that role was, um, you know, people loved her. And Mm-hmm. They're going, who's Beth Level? I'm like, child, that's my, that's my sixth Broadway show. But I, I, one of the things that was so satisfying about winning the Tony was how many people said, I want it for them. You know, I'm a worker bee. I've just been putting in my time yeah. and working. And to win for all of us that have put in the work and just been waiting patiently and doing our jobs. Yeah. And to get that was... Very satisfying. So after that, I just started, well, one thing that happens, like all of a sudden, everybody wants me to audition for TV.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I
1: didn't really get anything, well, a couple of, but nothing substantial. Like I stayed in the, the theater world, which I might, I'm very happy. With. Yeah. The next thing that actually happened, I believe, was I took over for Andrea Martin in Young Frankenstein. Yes. And I did that for about a year, maybe not that long. And then another Casey Nicholaw show came up called Minsky's. Mm -hmm. And again, we were going back to Los Angeles Mm -hmm. to- Also Bob Martin. Bob Martin, yeah. Yep, and that show had been around a very long time. So this was a lot of the drowsy people doing it
0: Mm -hmm. uh, with
1: Charles Strauss's music and Susan Birkenhead's lyric. And it just, you know, it didn't transfer even though there's so many great songs Mm -hmm. and some of it was so sensational. It just, you know, it
0: happens. So after that, I believe was Mamma Mia. Let's talk about Mamma Mia. I have a history with Mamma Mia as well. I used to do merch at Broadway shows and my main show that I worked was Mamma Mia. Uh, So I I was after your time, but I do remember the Broadway.com videos that you made about you going to Mamma Mia, you picking your dressing room, you saying that when you tried on your costume, they said it wasn't tight enough. So those are like <laughs> the two things I remember from your video. Yeah. I think you ended up in the Barbara Streisand, uh, right? I, I did. I think the you know, room
1: was cut in half, maybe, and I was in part of the yeah. the other part. One of her. I mean, it's just unfathomable to me. It's like mm, Barbara's DNA is in here. Yeah, but yeah, it was interesting joining a show that had been running mm-hmm. for eight years when I did it, maybe something like that. And to do a sh- it was fascinating. Uh, it's the first time I ever felt like a rock star.
0: Yeah. It's a really, um, fun. I went on a cruise a few months ago and they showed Mamma Mia on the cruise. And I-
1: I love I, that yeah. you know, love the movie, love it all.
0: Yeah. I didn't love the movie, but I do enjoy the stage production.
1: I didn't, I have never seen the movie, um, but I, you know, I go to Macy's and I hear- I was cheated by you. Like I can't get away from it, can I? Now Abba is everywhere. Yeah, during I, my put in, yeah. You guys know what a put in is, you know, when you come and it, it's been a show. A cast have been doing it. You guys know what it is. Anyway, it was during my put in. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just come out and finished. What's her first number? I think it's money, money, money. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Did all that, closed the door, uh, exited, and I hear on the God Mike, hold please, hold. I was like, oh man, I've already, I've already had to stop the show. I did something so bad. And what ha- happened was one of the original members of ABBA came oh. to the theater, I believe it was Bjorn. And they stopped the rehearsal. So he could come down the aisle and say hello to me and the cast. I I, I just remember thinking, are you kidding me? At my put-in? One of the people of ABBA is here. So that was really cool. He he was doing some other gig in the city. He Mm -hmm. stayed around for a while. I'm like, please, please don't let him watch my put-in, please. My nerves couldn't take it. And he left, and it continued, but it was a t- one of the things I remember most about Mama Mia was how close the cast was, but it was a rake stage. I mean a really rake stage. And it did a number on a lot of our bodies. And it did a number on, you know, you're singing. I'm, I'm jutting my chin out. You're singing in a position that's not, you're not aligned. So belting barefoot on a rake stage. Ooh, one night I just remember go, I remember the winner takes it. Oh, and I literally I went. Uh, and I thought, oh, well, that's it. I have just ruined my voice. I'll never work again. It, it was I'm not I'm not exaggerating. It was so bad. Stage managers were waiting for me in the wings. And they went, what happened? I was like, I, I have no idea. And but it was a quick change. I had to keep going to the curtain call. And by curtain call, the voice was back again. But did this, something pop? Some vertebrae went out in my neck. Good times. Wow. So I just remember never ever having to worry about my voice, and during Mama Mia, really having to, oh, really do warm ups and more physical warm ups, and having to go to chiropractors and,
0: ooh, yeah. And Mama Mia is—it's not like dance dance heavy, but it you know there's a good amount of dancing in it too. So I can only imagine what it's like for the actual like dancers of the show and. Imagine, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sofa clumped talking to you. Um, um, by walking around in those platforms on a rake stage, too,
1: absolutely, I, yeah,
0: and barefoot with
1: it's yeah. no support at all. I I spent a lot of time barefoot for some reason. I
0: don't think when but it's
1: diary. I'm glad I did. Uh, what, here's another thing about Mom and Mia, yes. My mother and her garden club would come up because Beth is doing "Mamma Mia," and you know they love "Mamma Mia." Mm -hmm. So between drowsy chaperone Mm -hmm. and I think the highlight of my career for my mother was me doing "Mamma Mia." Yeah. So thank you, Mamma Mia, for letting her have that before she passed.
0: I mean, a lot of wonderful. I mean, did Mamma Mia, but that's great that she got to see you a bunch of times in it.
1: Did yeah. So you know she people up she would never do that it's like yep we're gonna see Mamma Mia again yeah Beth's doing Mamma Mia
0: <laughs> I think when they changed theaters I didn't work at Mamma Mia as much but there was a girl who like I remember meeting her and she was like very specific about like where she would sit when she would go to the bathroom during the show, the show. so she was like a huge Mamma Mia enthusiast and I think oh. there was like one time she was wearing a shirt with, like, the cast members' last names or, like, Donna and Sophie and, the, like, one of those shirts. So you have people yes. like that with shows.
1: Absolutely. But not as much as Mama Mia more than anyone. Uh, and I would look at the curtain call and people would all be in pink boas. I mean, they would come in costumes.
0: Oh, we, we, sold, we sold feather boas at the theater. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I found many many feathers in places that should not have feathers.
1: Yes, you did. And a lot of the, when I had joined it, I'm not sure necessarily English was the first language of everyone that came to the show. So they would, you know, the thing's like, let's go with the scenes. By the time they got to the songs, it was a rock concert. It really was. And they were singing with us and doing the choreography. That's not something I've had an opportunity many times to experience in a show. So that was really
0: fun. I learned how to say 25 in Spanish because of Mama Mia. Uh, Why? People would say, How much is it? I would say, When talking about the CD, I'd say 25. They go, Oh, 25. So, I think- Gracias. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the merch people would do the mega mix in the back of the theater. Yeah. So that was that I'll was bet. a thing that we did. So, how did Baby It's You come about?
1: Oh, so after Mama Mia was elf.
0: Oh, that's right. Let's talk about Elf.
1: No, that's quick, but uh, yeah. did Elf, and mm-hmm. I thought Elf was going to be, and it was Casey again, and Bob Martin, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and Chad. It was the first time I'd worked with uh, Chad and Matt. Chad Beglin and Matt
0: Sklar. Yeah. Who, by the way, if you're listening, they wrote The Wedding Singer. So,
1: I think that was their first Broadway show, and then they just keep going. There's
0: mm-hmm. Anyway,
1: they're terrific. So I was hoping Elf would be one of these shows that came back every year, but womp womp. One of the producers of Elf who worked for Warner Brothers, I think it was Warner Brothers, whoever the movie's producers were, had this passion project called Baby It's You that he had been uh, nourishing in Los Angeles for a very long time.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And during the rehearsals with Elf, he went, may I talk to you? And he was explaining to me this show and that it was coming in and this character of florence greenberg and uh, again i didn't know anybody the directors or anyone and i came in and didn't really audition i had a meeting and then i did a scene with one of the actors that had been cast in the show and then the next thing i knew we started rehearsal and it was a whirlwind and you know the first time i'd ever seen my Face on a marquee that was kind of thrilling and wow and then the show opened and it got terrible reviews but i got a tony nomination
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um you know i made some dear friends and it ran probably longer than it should because a lot of people really loved the cat the catalog that it came from you know the uh, the shirelles and all those great great tunes yeah then it closed so bam yeah. bam 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 And after, I don't remember what happened after Baby Is You, was that, huh?
0: Well, let's talk about Baby Is You. How was it though, originating a role, like a lead role in a Broadway show? That was pretty cool. Yeah. And I, I,
1: you know, it's one of those, I was at a time in my life after Drowsy and all the other, I was ready to do that. I was ready to wear that hat and have that responsibility. Yeah. Uh, it was a complicated show to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, just the energy of the creative teens and stuff. It, there was a lot of no one particular voice was driving the train. So it was complicated. You can read that into <laughs> that whatever you would like. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't an easy show. Yeah. But after we opened and everyone left, I, I felt like we found our connective tissue and we made the show better and better and better and the audiences were really enjoying it singing along and you know we just it wasn't sustainable it's a show business and then we closed and then I thought oh good we we closed right in time to like go into another elf and then that was pulled Yeah. so honestly I can't remember what happened somebody tell me what happened after elf
0: was that I don't don't remember. remember Again, I I know the things you did, but I can't remember the timeline of things. Maybe that's when prom started because prom
1: started. I mean, I've been connected with that show for now eight years.
0: Yeah.
1: We went to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And then Casey got uh, the Mean Girls schedule opened up. So we had to put prom on hold and he had to go open Mean Girls. And then after that happened, uh, prom finally got a theater yeah I'm gonna I'm, I'm looking at my show
0: bandstand yes Oh, um, bandstand it's a very important show to talk about let's talk about bandstand I actually I had, had to- posters on it's like bandstand's next yes so let's talk about bandstand Um I actually had Joe Caroline the podcast a while oh back it, yeah he's wonderful I during the pandemic I uh, directed a bunch of virtual readings so I was yes. lucky enough to work with him on one of them and he's just one of the nicest talented just like Talent. genuinely lovely he's the one I told do Shakespeare in the park at Belvedere Castle <laughs> I do more Shakespeare. I'm like what's gonna stop you maybe you and do him do a Shakespearean scene there you could play Juliet he'll be Romeo it'll be great
1: it'd be comedy if I did a Shakespeare scene listen something- they
0: have they have comedic Shakespeare plays you know Thank goodness. you know so yeah Bandstand I mean it didn't last long on Broadway but it has such a huge life after and it's you know means a lot to so many people so how did you get involved with Bandstand and what was your experience like with that um again if you know when you are trying to get a, a
1: show produced on broadway very rarely is it like oh here's a theater there is such a journey with it so i did a workshop i don't know two or three years before that Mm -hmm. then we went to paper mill playhouse
0: yes
1: it had its premiere at paper mill uh playhouse um then we had to wait a while and then we found out it was coming to broadway and Mm -hmm. i was asked to do it you know talk about a, a departure from the usual stuff I'd done to play this mother in a World War II piece, I just loved it. I just, you know, I loved her character. I loved it, I, I, you know, after coming from Baby, It's You, I didn't have to drive the train. Um, and it was such an important story that I don't think it's been told very often on Broadway, the journey of the veterans coming home from World War II or any war, I mean, we we learned so much. Mm -hmm. It spoke to so many people that had never seen themselves on stage before. It just meant so much to people. And I think that's why it still resonates. If I say bandstand, people go, oh, bandstand.
0: Yeah. I did see it because I, again, with merch that I did work one performance of it so I could see it. And I think that we sold mugs that went to some sort of veteran organization or something once
1: we yeah do you, you know there was one moment and it's the first time I'd worked with Andy Blankenbuehler who's just what a visionary he is so smart kind and but there's his choreography and his directing are kind of seamless and there was just some of the emotional is that me sorry some of the emotional way he was able to choreograph an experience or a moment I never witnessed on stage like I don't know if you remember when the guys were pushing Corey playing on the piano and it looked like the Iwo Jima statue it was breathtaking
0: that moment I remember that moment but I do remember other aspects of I'm um, kind of like the memory of him fighting, and the different types of dancing with like somebody half on the floor with the leg kicking up, and it being like a blue haze. And yes. a lot of you know uh, feelings
1: that are were choreographed. Yeah, a lot of nightmares that were choreographed. A lot of love was choreographed through dance. It was really amazing, and I didn't have to dance a step. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you. Um, I mean, aside from the prom, like moving forward, do you see yourself ever dancing in a show again?
1: Mm-mm. You know, yeah. I'm of an age. I can, I, I don't, I just, it, I don't know if I can anymore. Like, I remember Casey said, you know, go down on, I said, I can't get up anymore. My knees, you know, I'm going into my 14th Broadway show. Yeah. I, my body's like, uh uh-uh, uh, I'd rather you, can you just sing now? Or how about just be funny? Or I don't know, sing a song that makes you cry or something. Yeah. Uh, I I like movement. Like it was once I learned the hip hop dance for the prom, it was really fun to do it. And this is I always felt like it was me and Michael Potts downstage. Right. And I always felt like the audience was looking at us going, oh, bless those old people. So can they do it? Let's watch them. Oh, OK. You be careful. Don't hurt yourself. I'm like, I'm doing hip hop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're gonna hip hop into the next topic so how did the prompt come into your life was dd written for it i can't remember specifically yeah. how that you know, yeah oil yeah uh, after,
1: did... after elf i i had just it was i looked at matt and chad i went can we do something again and i could already tell something was he said um yeah they had already been working on it they'd already been marinating on they had gotten this idea from jack vertel about this the story about the girl who was trying to go to the prom with her girlfriend and the pta or somebody canceled blah 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 and someone said, jack vertel said this would be a great musical and the rest is history but i remember matt and chad um not being very open about it but saying mm-hmm. so within i don't know a year casey said can you come to my studio and read the very first draft of this show. And from that day, it was me, Brooks, Chris, and Angie sitting mm-hmm. around a table. And they named the character Angie. And yeah. Dee, Dee was written for My DNA. Mm-hmm. And then it took a while. And then we found out we were going to Atlanta. And it just kept get growing and growing and growing. And then I told you Mean Girls. And then, bam, it opened in 2000. Something 18. I don't
0: remember. I don't remember either. I have a friend who was like one of the investors of the show, and for months she's like, You have to see the prom, you have to see it. So I finally saw it, and I was so enraged at what happened at the end of the first act that I refused to applaud. <laughs> I was so mad. That's I literally just normal. sat there with my arms crossed, and like one of my best friends and I saw the show together, and I'm like, I refuse to applaud. I'm so mad. But it was just the most fun and joyous show. And I want to talk to you about um, the ladies improving. Because you're a very unique, like, vocalist. Because your end note, you would think that there would be a breath somewhere. But you're Beth level and that doesn't happen. So can you explain to the normal humans how you can sustain that very long? I don't. I don't know. You know, I
1: just know. I take like a double breath and I'm I'm wish I was more of a a, a technician that I could explain how I can hold it that long. But then after a while, it became people started timing it. So that's like. And the last show, Mm -hmm. I the orchestra the horns couldn't hold it as long as I could. So I just did like all by myself. I was like, yeah.
0: (laughs) And then there was a standing ovation and there's video of it online and you're welcome for those listening who want to watch uh, Beth level be amazing in the prom and doing the ladies improving.
1: That was really cool. Yeah. How Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, that's okay. I think that was like
1: the night before the Tony awards or something. And that Standing ovation and that whole moment, I just completely broke. I just cried. It was really, it was a wow moment. I yeah. Felt,
0: yeah. Uh, mm, I just cried. <laughs> so, how did thank you, you for the people that were there no, that night. I, I was not, but uh, for those who were, how do you guys or did you feel knowing that there is going to be a movie made of? The the prom. the prom and a lot of people's reaction to who was cast in the movie, as opposed yeah. to a lot of naysayers being like, "You should have done the Broadway cast."
1: Yeah, but the Broadway cast wouldn't have sold; people wouldn't have watched. I mean, it's Meryl Streep for heaven's sakes. Yeah, but what, what it was interesting. It's such a unique night. Mm-hmm. We kind of had a reopening of prom. Mm-hmm. six months later where ryan murphy was there and we knew he was going to make an announcement mm-hmm. but i don't think the ensemble knew and but you know i've been around the block i, I just knew and we had, like months before meryl and nicole we we heard they were in the audience i'm like uh oh okay wait a minute wait a minute so Ryan Murphy comes on stage and he announces that he has uh, bought the rights for Netflix and will be making it a movie. And I was just hoping that the kids didn't realize that that doesn't mean we're all gonna be in a movie, just yeah. so you'll know. And then we went to a big party afterwards and, it, and then eventually it was announced who was playing the roles and stuff. It, it was, uh, truthfully, I would have loved to have done it. Mm-hmm. But again, the prom had such an amazing message, and if I had done it, it wouldn't have received the attention and the viewings it did, because Meryl did it. So if I'm going to give birth to a child, I can't really think of a better person to take care of it than Meryl Streep.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's fine, because you eventually got to play one of the children that she birthed in a musical. There, you go. So- there- About that, It was a a nice trade-off. I had to say that I really did enjoy the prom movie and I understood both aspects of everybody's like, it should be the Broadway cast. And I have a very large entertainment knowledge base. And I like, I know how the industry works. So I was like fully aware of like why they didn't cast who they did cast and all of that stuff. And I thought I watched the movie. I thought everybody did a wonderful job in it. So did you watch the movie at all? Or were you just like, I'm good now? That's fine. You don't have to.
1: We had we watched Act One, uh, the four of us, and just giggled. And well, I watch I watch it again. You know, it's just it's fascinating to watch a move I choreographed and watch Meryl do it. Like, wow!
0: Yeah, yeah. I will say though, like sometimes for me, sometimes when you're watching Meryl Streep, you're like, I'm watching Meryl Streep doing this part but for me with the prom you kind of forgot you were watching Meryl Streep which was kind of nice and I think maybe that's just like a testament to how great the part is which you know thanks to you is a thing it's
1: a great part she's a fabulous fabulous part yeah I hope now that the rights are released it's like yes people can see it more
0: I hope so. I I mean, it's a very important piece of theater too. And like, you know, like I told you, I had a very strong reaction to what happened in the show when I first saw it. And um, I, my nine lives with jobs, I used to work in the hotel industry as a concierge and I would be very good at picking out shows for people. So I would always have to make sure people are comfortable with that topic before I recommended the prom to them. And- okay. I would tell people like, it is just a joyous show with such an important message and it's something that does need to be seen. So, I mean, even though it didn't last as long as people would have hoped on Broadway, it does have this long lasting thing on film.
1: Again, and it's like drowsy. It just keeps yeah. getting more popular and more exposed and more people know a lot about the prom. Yeah. And we'll continue that. I mean, I if there's one piece of theater Mm -hmm. art that i have done that changed lives it's that yeah i mean it really changed people's lives so Mm -hmm. whenever anyone says to me oh you just do musical comedies it's like "Mm -mm. yeah
0: i mean yeah even though you know i was talking to somebody about this the other day in regards to a show that i don't want to name on the podcast but you know i was saying it's listed as a musical theater comedy but even with musical theater comedy you do have to have these real dramatic moments in it to humanize the show and that's what the prom has as well and that's so great and that's what makes good musical theater comedy i
1: absolutely agree
0: yeah absolutely my little theater nerdness coming out you know oh
1: i love theater nerdness thank you we're all out like we're all man in chairs in some way, shape or form. We really are. I love theater so much. I totally am a man in chair.
0: Talks. You know, when we would sit in the Mama Mia merch, merch, mark merch, merch, I can speak English. The merch office, we would talk about like what, who we would cast in like a movie version of something. And we would always talk about if the drowsy chaperone was going to be a movie who we would cast. I think we said like Anne Hathaway, James Marsden. And I mm. think, I don't remember what he said as man in chair. That's a, was, that's a tough one. Yeah. I think I said Shirley McLean as Beatrice Stockwell. And somebody else said, oh, she's too old. It has to be like sh- um, Catherine Zeta-Jones. And I argued with them. And I said, I don't agree with you.
1: Yeah, I yeah, I don't know if Catherine Zeta, was she, is she funny without being funny? I I, she, I don't know. Oh, yeah. well, we'll ask her.
0: Yeah, Catherine. well, get Catherine Zeta-Jones on the phone, get you guys. People, call Catherine and ask her what she like to do the film version. Hello, I'm, how did, uh, crap, what is it called? The Devil Wears Prada, now that we're talking about how you flipped roles with Meryl Streep, you know, NBD. Right. How did that come into your life? This is fascinating. Ready? No. Yeah, no, I'm
1: ready. I'm doing the prom. Mm-hmm. Um, And I didn't even know the Devil Wears Prada was out there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I should be fired.
0: I'm shaking my head now for those who can't see the face I just made. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and uh, the director had been hired. I knew uh, Then I started, you know, uh, Kevin McCollum who is the lead producer of the Devil Wears Prada had high and Elton John wrote the music had hired Anna Shapiro. As the director, she was the artistic director of Steppenwolf, won a Tony Award for August Osage County yes. and was jumping into to the musical land with the Devil Wears product. Mm-hmm. So she decided <clears throat> to come with Shana Taub to she came down to New York. She lives in Chicago. She came down to New York and decided in the summer to see every Broadway musical, The West of Man. So she was just going to go and immerse herself in all the things that were musicals.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Shana's had seen the prom once or twice and said, Anna, you, you have to come and see the prom. And Anna went, no, it sounds like high school musical, which is one of the reasons I think we closed a little early because when the tourists came in, the prom didn't like, what is that? What is that about? Which is why you had to probably over-explain it when you were doing your ninth job as a concierge. People thought they thought it was about like a high school something and just didn't really understand. Anyway, blah, blah. She talked to Anna in To Come Me To See The Prom. And rumor has it, and I'm saying it's true because I think that halfway through it, after I did um, It's Not About Me, Anna turned to Shana and went, I found her. So the next week, um, they called my agent and we set up a meeting. And I met Anna at um, Open Jar Studio, where they had already started doing choreography workshops. And we talked for almost an hour and a half, just chatted about everything. She gave me a piece of music that I looked at, and two days later, I came back and sang it with the producers there. And I have a feeling I was being recorded and it was sent to Elton and uh, his husband, David, who's uh, one of the lead producers as well. Mm -hmm. And the rest is history. Yeah then we had to wait because then the you know then the plague hit and everything was put on hold mm-hmm. so I really have been associated with Prada for almost three years now maybe even longer because everything stopped as you well know yeah and we did a workshop once uh, last Christmas before last maybe sometime in the holiday season and it's when the Uh, the coronavirus was going around and we, everyone, a lot of people got sick and we weren't able to do the performances. So everything just stopped. And then we waited again another eight months and did a choreography workshop. And then we did another workshop right before we went to Chicago. Mm -hmm. And then we spent all summer in Chicago, learned a great deal about the show. But part of that process in Chicago, was emergency put-ins because of COVID. Yeah. So the time usually spent on rewrites, lighting, changing the choreography, changing the structure or whatever was taken away doing emergency put-ins to make sure that everyone was safe and knew their lines. And man, we had some superstars as swings, as we all know now, swings and understudies are just a breed of brilliance that I can't even begin to thank enough. Yeah. Uh, and poor Taylor Mon Jones, who was so amazing in the show. First week of preview, she came down with COVID and missed 11 performances. Wow. Yeah, so it was just, you know, I felt like we were kind of cheated of our experience as a lot of people have been with this COVID going around. So now we're just waiting in spite of that, and in spite of just apparently horrible reviews, it was such a financial success. And the audience went, particularly after, you know, we ran like 36 shows, particularly toward the end when we were really getting in our groove with it.
0: Yeah,
1: They made a great deal of money. There's a real, real desire to see this musical yeah. version of Devil Wears product. Yeah. So I'm sure everyone's just kind of going back to, a, a workshop of figuring out how we can make it even better yeah And everyone wants to do that which is really cool so I'm anxious to see what happens next mm-hmm. don't know yeah don't know I mean that's theater don't know but once we I think once we figure it out and land in a theater it's just people are really going to want to see it
0: yeah. I do need to ask though, because the devil Wars Prada, the movie is based on a book. So does the musical have movie and book elements or is it, it does. Okay. Lauren Weisberger was there. Yeah.
1: Who wrote the novel. She was there opening night. She was hung out a lot and she was so happy with everything. It's like, she, that's unbelievable. She writes this book. Yeah. And it is, I don't know. There's one, if it's not mama Mia. Mm -hmm. I can say Devil Wears Prada and everybody knows the Devil Wears Prada. So it takes the best of her book, which is also in the movie, which is also we've kind of grafted everything together and made it a musical. Yeah. Because, you know, Miranda has to sing there. Mm -hmm. And it's also um, all the creatives are are women. So completely different point of view. Mm
0: -hmm. So there's
1: been a lot of adjustments because the world is different now than it was when she wrote it or when the movie was out.
0: Yeah. I do find it very annoying that some people were criticizing the color of Miranda's hair um, for the show. And I was like, guys, Meryl Streep decided to be, oh, to have gray hair in the movie. That was her Miranda. It does not have to be the same. Like, that's what drives me nuts with some people is that like, it doesn't and nothing. And it's a musical adaptation, you know, just because something, you know, I saw um, Almost Famous last night and I have a, a friend who's in the show and I spoke to him because Almost Famous is one of my all time favorite movies. And my friend is fully aware of that. And he's like, I know you're going to have some thoughts. Um, I don't want to spoil anything because it's still in previews, but I did mention to him uh an aspect of the show that it, it's not a criticism. It's just something that I thought was an interesting story choice that they did. And he was saying, you know, there's been many versions and you just can't translate something like that onto the stage, right. which is understandable. So once he said that, I was like, okay, now I get why they did that. I mean, I feel like they could have done it, but that's just me being an almost famous, you know, diehard fan. So yeah.
1: And believe me, going back to Prada, the, the yeah. wig choice color was one of the most important decisions Yeah, because of that very thing that you're saying. And mm-hmm. I was opposed to having to imitating Meryl. I mean, that's her choice. Let her, let, yeah. let her live that. And she looked fabulous, yeah. but my Miranda had to do something else.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, you don't see mm-hmm. a fabulous redhead nowadays and Miranda being a redhead is a great choice.
1: I agree and I was the only redhead so you always see Miranda when she was on stage in addition to the fact that she's you know this power goddess bitch (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's the name of my memoirs power goddess theater power goddess bitch
0: you know what I can't wait to read that memoir it's coming out when I don't know we'll find out um, you know I take jot notes every day still got a lot more to do I want to talk about, um, so you did a, and I only know this because I have spectrum and Mm -hmm. I haven't watched it yet, but during the pandemic, you did that spectrum show bite with like every other couple where you guys somehow got infected with something and you worked with your husband or sorry, fiance, or we could say The whole lot of the show
1: was done right here. It was in the height of the pandemic. Yeah. So we didn't come in contact with one single person. Yeah. Everything was delivered to the door, mm-hmm. and uh, including camera equipment, mm-hmm. sound stuff. Yeah. And this sounds like I don't have the ability to do it, but I let Adam do the technical stuff because <laughs> it's not really in my wheelhouse. And yeah. we spend hours on the phone or on the Zoom mm-hmm. with tutorials of how to work a camera, and the sound and the mics. And lights and things would just get delivered every day. Bags of clothes, so we would do costume fittings in Zoom. They would send chairs. Um, the, the, our living room is back there. It was turned upside down. Literally, we turned our sofa on the wall and we made it into something that looked like a dining room. Which so they sent us a table and new chairs, and it was the most interesting thing we've ever done. And it was all right. There was There was a camera placed, I'm touching the back of my computer. So it looked like we were on the computer where they were actually filming everything and all of the special effects, it's a zombie kind of movie, those of you who don't know. Yeah. Which is really interesting because right before that, I did a Walking Dead six, I'm like, why am I, what is this zombie world I'm living in? It was really fun. Yeah. But we had to meet a a director of photography outside, Um, to stay socially distanced and we he took there was some fancy camera and we just stood there turning our head uh, 90 degrees one way 90 degrees looking all the way up looking all the way down and he just took pictures so he could put the special effects in when we turned into zombies I had to take Adam gets the first bite he was his character was at a Trader Joe's and the bag boy bit him And it was like, what? So we're talking, Audrey McDonald's, our doctor, we're talking to her via Zoom. I took um, one of my lipstick, eye pencils, and I marked, I'm doing a circle of red dots on my forearm, which I did to him. And that was their template for creating this special effect zombie Mm -hmm. bite that eventually took over his body. And then he bites me, you know, and there's fake blood, all CG'd. Oh, if you can watch it, you really should watch it because it is amazing. And to know, well, A, everyone was in theaters, Rob McClure and Audra and Will and Adam and I, and I can't remember who else,
0: sorry. Okay. I think Philippa So is in it. Oh, yes, 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 yeah. yes. And we all turn into zombies. It's awesome yeah. with special effects.
1: It's just, it's magical to me. And it was really interesting with a little, little bit of sense of humor in there, a little, yeah. little wink.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. Also, if you're really bored, October 30th, that's soon, right? Yes. My Hallmark movie comes out. Yes. It's not mine. It's, I'm in a Hallmark movie. You are,
0: I, I watched the teaser. You were in it with Ian Harding from yes. Pretty Little Liars. Um, it's called uh, The Ghost
1: of Christmas Always. Yes. And I play an aging pop star who's lost my Christmas spirit. But I get to sing. They wrote like an original song. That it's I perform cool. at the Christmas party and it's, I haven't seen it because again, it's like listening to myself on, it's like, mm, I don't know if I can watch it, but I'm going to try to watch it because it was a lot of fun.
0: I just know that Carl from Family Matters is in it. The oh, father. Really? Yeah, I, I think yeah. he's the, the ghost with the ascot you mentioned. Oh,
1: yes, yes. He was in uh, Die Hard with Bruce Willis. He was the, yeah, I didn't know that either.
0: Yeah. He was at the, least I think that's Yeah. He played a policeman on Family Matters. If I'm thinking of the, if I'm correct with that, I think I am.
1: Well, we'll watch it and find out.
0: Yes. October 30th, Hallmark Movie Channel. They're just like Christmas, 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 everything. A lot of Broadway people have been doing Christmas movies too. Great. Yeah. Hallmark. Yes.
1: Thank you, Hallmark, and producers who knew that our industry was yeah. Uh, suffering a bit with COVID and yeah, to throw us a, a nice job here and there. Thank you very
0: much. <laughs> How did you and Adam do during the pandemic? Did you do any virtual events? I know that you did the prom reunion on, um, oh my God, Seth oh. uh, crap. What was it called? Can't help you. Stars in the house.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We did yeah, that. Was- we do a lot. We, I did a lot of that. A lot of Zooms, a lot of singing here uh, on Zooms, which is really interesting. Yeah, uh, I, I did a couple of po- podcasts, one uh, um, like an audiobook podcast kind of thing, you know, just and teaching. I was coaching a lot, which makes me very happy. Yeah. I love doing that. And, you know, just one day at a time. We moved from the city, moved up to, you know, upstate just because, yeah.
0: save money. Yeah. And you love it up there now. And that's what's important.
1: Love it. Yeah. So it's, you know, that's one of the reasons, you know, I, that I'm so drawn to this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. The good news is the bad news is you just never know what's happening the next day. And the good news is you just never know what's happening the next day. One day you're thinking, I have to leave this industry. And you get a call and they ask you to do Beatrice Stockwell in the Drowsy Chaperone. Yeah. You just never know what's going to happen. So I like to live with that. Even during the pandemic, it's like, you just never know what's going to happen. And then Devil Wears Prada happened. And then, you know, I'm never bored. That's not true. Most of the time I'm not bored. And I, I do. I'm just saying I, I'm, I look forward, I'm available for what's next. I can't wait to tell the next story. I can't wait to sing a song and be in a story that changes people's lives or bring them joy or entertainment or something touches them
0: yeah do you have i mean you don't have if you do you don't have to announce it but do you have anything lined up coming up besides the uh, product little things okay
1: well, I'm, I'm back kind of on my concert circus i was in circus <laughs> <It's laughs> a- <laughs> uh,
0: yeah.
1: circuit uh i was in san francisco two weeks ago did two shows i was up in saratoga Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, you have, um, a big benefit coming up in, I don't, I don't want to say December, but maybe you're it's, um, Jamie Oliver's hosting it. No, I've, okay, I'm wrong. No, no, I, I'm sure I do
1: that. That's in December. I can only deal with one month at a time.
0: And I did
1: a benefit last night, uh, for the National Dance Institute, which is fantastic where's where we rehearsed bands dance. So it was kind of like homecoming week.
0: It's so nice I know.
1: doing a one for Brad Oscar, uh, November 4th, but I can't tell you what it's for, but it's, uh, uh for a charity. We're raising money. It's like, that's, I, that's one thing I can do. I can go and sing stumble or ladies improving and raise money for things that are important.
0: There you go. Um, do you have any roles that you've played that you want to continue? Cause you've done gypsy, you've done Dolly Are those roles that you want to keep playing again and again, or Um, My, I did, uh, hello, I'm sorry, did
1: Gypsy at the Muni. Yes. uh, With Adam as my Herbie. And that was, and Rob Ruggiero as my director. That was kind of a perfect, Mm -hmm. that was, that really, I felt was successful. And I was proud of myself because I was so terrified to do that. It's like the King Lear of musical comedy. I was proud of myself for uh, letting go of my fear and jumping into that and feeling like I did a good job. I'd like to do that one, one more time. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the things I want to do are yet to be written. Yeah. I find that the most satisfying
0: mm-hmm. if that's possible. Yeah. So, cause I do ask about dream roles. So I'm assuming that it just hasn't been written yet. Yeah. My dream
1: roles, I'm waiting for the next Dee, Dee or Beatrice or June or Miranda or whatever. I mean, I'm really, I'm really lucky to have had those moments to, to originate roles that still live on mostly in the ether and will be around for a long time. And kids come up and go, oh my gosh, I played your part in high school. And it's like, oh my gosh, I remember doing that in college once I had, you know, embraced my inner man in chair theater geek and, with you know, the the albums I was listening to and the fact that I'm on an original album, which is not an album anymore, and that someone somewhere in the world is listening and learning that role from that CD, or like, wow, I did that. I mean, I wore that Annie album out. I wore the Jesus Christ Superstar out. I just would listen over and over and over and over and over again. And that I now have and doing that for someone else. That's really cool.
0: Yeah. What are your top going theater experiences that you've had? I mean, whether or not you, something you've seen or something that you've been a part of. Oh,
1: well, you know, again, the prom is kind of rates up there right at the top. And because the Drowsy Chaperone was so new for me as, you know, quote unquote, Beth level. By the time I got to prom, I it was a little more comfortable in my, mm-hmm. oh, it's okay. I can own this. I can, I can drive this part of the train. So the prom was unbelievable. And I think Miranda is going to be that once we start back into that again. Um, there's so many shows that I uh, totally changed my life. I remember dream girls chorus line.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I,
1: the moments I had when I was watching The Music Man with my parents and the movie theater, I now experience when I go to the theater, color purple. Mm -hmm. Oh boy, The Inheritance. There's just so many, I don't know, again, theater changes lives.
0: Yeah. Would you, I know that you did that, um, I can't remember the name of it, about gay marriage. Oh, standing on
1: ceremony. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Would you want to do more plays? And if, if you did plays, would you want to do more dramatic or more comedic stuff? I think I love ones
1: that you were talking about that you can do both. You can be uh, comedic and also have this quote unquote dramatic arc to your story. It just makes it more interesting. And I, you know, I love being funny. I love women that are funny, but to not have to those of you who do musicals will completely understand what I'm saying to it particularly if you're doing eight shows a week to not have to wake up at three o'clock or four o'clock going oh, oh, oh you know is it there can I sing today can I belt that C? I, don't you know not have to worry about that just to do a play not just to play but yeah. where you don't have to worry about your voice if there's allergies or a cold or whatever that would be
0: great. <laughs> I will say that during the pandemic, like I said, when we were doing these virtual readings, there was one play we were talking about in particular. And if we got the rights to it, we were going to try and ask you to do it.
1: And that was
0: a uh, little dog laughed by Douglas Carter bean. Yes. That would be just the perfect role for you. So Just throwing that out there, if anybody's listening, or if you want to put that into the world yourself, Beth, to be like, I need to play this part of the agent. I even have, um, I saw it when it was on Broadway, and there's a quote that's on a magnet, and it's, as a favor, butch it up, Mary. So that's on my refrigerator. (laughs) That's fabulous. It's so good. Yeah. So um, I do inside the actor's studio questions as a part of the podcast. Are you ready? Bring it. Okay, so let's start off with, what is your favorite word? <sighs> um, hmm.
1: It's like, my fa- I have a favorite word that means something and a favorite word that's just fun to say. That's fine. But I don't know the, the difference right now. Uh, uh, let me think about it. Go to the next one. Okay,
0: your least. what is your least favorite word?
1: Oh, well, I can't say it on your phone. You no, it's, it's, I'm, I'm not a fan of the C word.
0: Okay, that's fine. See you next Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: right. That's an acronym for that. Um, I th- one of my favorite words is antiquated
0: mm-hmm. because
1: it's one of the first words I learned when I was young that actually had more than one syllable and I knew what it meant. So, <laughs> you know, with Dender uh, with my parents, it's like, oh, that bread is so antiquated. I would use it every minute. it was kind of fun to say, um, yeah, I'm still thinking about that. Okay. I'm still still marinating on that. Marinating is one of my favorite words. I'm still thinking about that.
0: You can marinate all you want. What turns you on? Uh,
1: A sense of humor. What turns you off? A lack of a sense of
0: humor. (laughs) (laughs) We all need a sense of humor. You guys. Oh,
1: particularly now, particularly now, I think it's a sense of humor. is So sexy and, and kindness, Yes, I, yes. Oh, come on, hold the door open for someone. Say thank you, just do yes. it. Yes,
0: thank you. I, uh why are we the same? Okay, um, <laughs> which I'm not mad about at all. Just, oh, realize, I'm the same as Beth Level and BD. Um, What is, where am I? What is your favorite curse word? Fuck. Yeah, so
1: it's just, it's just it's, it fills your mouth with, and I say all the time without even, you know, I really have to edit myself if I go back home but I, I, because I've been in New York for 30 years. I mean, everybody says fuck up here. It doesn't even, it's not really even a cuss word anymore. Can you pass me the fucking diet coat? That's not like, I don't think the diet coat's fucking. It just feels like, oh, fuck. Yeah, fuck that.
0: I sometimes get out of bed and say, oh, fuck. And that's just because of age and getting, yeah, like, oh, fuck, that doesn't, ah, that doesn't fit. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah. Or you'd say, well, fuck. Yeah, I got it. Oh fuck, that's awesome! Yes, let's just say fuck every other word now. What's your favorite just word? Well, fuck
1: you. Fuck,
0: that's amazing. Fuck this. Yes. Okay, what sound or noise do you love? Um, laughter
1: when it's like true deep, someone finding something really funny, and my cat when I can make uh, his motor run like.
0: I love that. What sound or noise do you hate? Mm. Uh, people being angry and yelling at each other.
1: Sirens. Um, yeah, people yelling that. Oh, I hate that noise.
0: Yeah. What profession other than yours would you like to attempt?
1: Um, you know, for a hot minute, I would have loved to have been an interior decorator but it would all have had to been my taste, which is not good. (laughs) I I still do. it. I'm, I'm helping my best friend who lives not too far from me. We're redoing her living room and I go over there and we're redoing. I like, I I'm really good at taking what you have Mm -hmm. and changing it around. It brings such joy. So I'm thinking I would like to do that, but I'm not skilled enough to get paid for it. But so I do it as a hobby.
0: Maybe you can just like, Cause you know, nowadays they have somebody who does that for people's dressing rooms. True. So, you know, Beth level interiors. For True. That, means, that means
1: doing math, like person oh, understands it. the curtains and that I don't do. Right. Or the geometry with this fit here. Well, how, how do you measure those blinds? I can't do that, but I can say, oh my gosh, if you put that yellow pillow next to that red one on that thing, you're gonna, they're like, oh my gosh. Or why don't we put that chair here and move that? That's what brings me great joy.
0: <laughs> Maybe like Beth Level will help, kind of, with interiors.
1: Kind of, I'll help to the best of my ability. Re- it, there's a term for that. It's not restaging. It's it's a, there's a term. You go in and you take what you have and just change it up a little bit. Yeah,
0: the Beth Easy. Level way. There you go. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna level it out. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> oh. What profession would you not like to do? Uh, I would not like to be a doctor. I would be so
1: terrified of the responsibility of doing something wrong. I would also never want to be a production stage manager. They are <laughs> so amazing and responsible for everything that I would be terrible at it and intimidated. Actually, we were watching uh, our stage manager, PSM for uh, the Devil West party was Holly Coons. And she's just like, uh, I mean, not human, she's so good. And w- during some tech, we're all sitting around on stage and we started playing games. I mean, all right, which would you rather do right now? Would you like to do, have a scalpel and do surgery on someone without really knowing or Holly's job? And we all went surgery. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, just give it a shot, you know. Sur- let's do surgery because yeah. none want the responsibility and the skill set that I I do not have. So,
0: did you did you marinate on your other word yet, or um, no? Because
1: then I started thinking about interior decorating. Uh, I mean, I, I love the word grace. I mean, when you say grace or someone says grace to you, it, it, it feels, yeah, I feel that word mm-hmm. when someone says a beautiful word like that, full of grace, yeah. gratitude. And this sounds really kumbaya but you know, words that make you, nice. it calms you um, mm-hmm. and lifts your heart a little bit. Yeah. I swear. If I think of another one, I'm going to text you
0: please. You can take my phone number and I can tell people like I'm best friends with Beth level. Now she has my phone number. And Okay. So last question, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Places. (laughs) And then James Lipton would say, here are your students, man. That was great. I'm so you know we're coming towards the end of the podcast. so why I always I try to remember to ask this of everyone why do you think theater is so important?
1: Um, I think it connects us as human beings. I think it's the, the universal thread that connects humanity when we allow it. Mm-hmm. plus we sit in a place it's like you know cavemen used to sit around a campfire and tell stories. It's how we connect to each other. It's also how, we communicate, how we entertain, how we learn, how we grow, how we find joy, how we sing show tunes, how something makes us angry that maybe we have to change because now we have an awareness. Mm -hmm. So I think life without art, without theater would be so boring Plus, as storytellers, in any way, shape, or form, that we are storytellers as artists, we're here to do that for some reason. Like when you were asking me, how did I become? It's like, I don't know. I think some way, shape, or form, I was meant to be a storyteller. Mm. And it feels, I feel gratitude, and I feel like I had no choice, that I still don't understand. But I'm still here. And, uh, so that's why, whatever your question was, and I went on my monologue, that's why it's important.
0: Yeah. Well, Beth, I just want to thank you again, so much for coming onto the podcast again. I just like, I kind of can't believe you said yes to doing it. And I, I think you're amazing and I adore you and just, Thank you so much. And for all of your wonderful insight that you've given, is there anything that you want to ask me? Is there anything that you want to tell the listeners out there? The five of them who listen, I joke. I always say it's like five people who listen. It could be more. Um, No,
1: just hang in there. You know, I, I, you know, if you're particularly, if you're a a storyteller,
0: mm -hmm.
1: um, our business is slowly healing and coming back, just still try to be safe patient it's been soul stealing a lot of times you know i know what a lot of people have had to leave the business just i I just am sending a virtual hug to everybody and again if you can embrace kindness let's just do it let's just let's help fill the world with more kindness because we need it right now yeah and i can't wait to hug you in person when i see you oh my
0: god please
1: I miss hugs, you
0: know. I I'm a hugger. I will full on hug you, and I'll cry while doing it, being like I'm hugging that level. Stop it! No, it is just like hugging is is good. It's healing. It's we'll hug and then we'll do like a slapstick move afterwards. I'm gonna reverse and give multiple choices for that. Oh please! I you'll be like do a time step, and then I'll do it, and then I'll fall over because I'm like I said, I'm super great with choreographed dancing.
1: I may ask you to do a time step so I can visually live with that and. Read <laughs> when I, I
0: I know it's like a jump and then a, a thing. I it's, it's not. I I'm not a dancer.
1: It's okay. Uh, there's a lot. There's people who are dancers. Yeah. Or, do it for us and we can watch yeah. them and enjoy it.
0: Yeah. My friend has a website where she has a dancer crossed out and wrote a mover, or <laughs> on her resume or something
1: i did that i, I erased it because i thought when i moved from north carolina i was a dancer oh my god and then i the one last story one of my first auditions before um i had my agent you know i went in when i was filling out my circling the backstage what ones i was going to go to it was an open call for cats for it and it's like <laughs> i'm a dancer so i you know i got in my leg warmers and stuff and there was so many people sitting at the winter garden mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds of people
0: yeah
1: And I believe Jillian Lynn would take them on stage and teach them this combination. And I was like number 242 or something. And I started to watch what these dancers were having to do. And I don't know, an hour and a half later, they called my group of what, 12 people and everybody got up and they went to the stage and I turned around and I walked out the front door. And then I went home and deleted dance. moves well, or something like that, which was much more truthful. My like, girl, you are not a dent.
0: Yeah. But luckily you've been able to work with people who have been able to work with your movement strengths. True. Uh, is- I forgot, we forgot showboat. I did showboat. Oh, that's right. You know, I saw showboat too. And I grew up watching that movie. Oh Wow. Right. So I, you know, I was,
1: and I had just given birth to my second son. Yeah. C- so that that's what I remember about showboat my yeah. boobs were like ginormous. I like, these are not my boobs. These are not,
0: these will be going away soon. And I was also at the Gershwin, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was it right. Cause I know wicked has the rake stage. So I don't, was it always raked? No. Because
1: remember, uh, remember that huge boat, that, that sh- boat that came on.
0: I, I, I was young. That's um, I
1: it. Yeah. So I, I don't remember it being raked at all. If yeah. it was, it didn't really affect me.
0: I did see the Philharmonic uh, showboat. So I, Cause my friend works at the Phil and at the time when like he lived in New York and I love Norm Lewis, I always say he's one of the three people I want to sing me to bed at night. Um, So it was mostly like to see him sing old man river. And again, I just also really love showboat. So yeah, that's another great show too. So something was in it. He was in Downton Abbey. So that was, that was fun for me personally. Awesome. Yeah anyway anything else that's
1: that's that's it i think you've
0: heard every last
1: not every last but
0: those are the highlights (laughs) any any, on the highlights you want to mention really quickly now we're good we're
1: good i did a a concept album um, last week it's called regretting almost everything that's going to have a big release this winter it's a two-hander starring myself and jeff blumenkrantz written by laura and danny usetti Laura Tesla. It's really good.
0: Well, let us know when it comes out and no, it's still it, you know, TBD. Yeah. Put it on, put it out there in the world and all is good. So I'm going to stop recording. You can stay on the zoom, but I'm um, Beth again. Thank you so much for coming on and everyone. Thank you for listening.
1: For asking me.